is probably the most special day ever. Just kidding. But it is a great day. <laughs> After Mother's Day, of course, this, you know, and Easter and Christmas. <laughs> All right, so it's like the fourth best. No, uh, but it is Father's Day today. And so can we just give a round of applause to all the amazing fathers, grandfathers, stepfathers uh, who are here today? Uh, I want to just show you something. Oh, I think. Yeah, there we go. So I found this. This was some research that was done from Lifeway uh, Research Group. And it says, Father's Day is the holiday that's actually the single low, has the single lowest average church attendance. More so than Labor Day, Memorial Day, and even the 4th of July. <laughs> that's kind of crazy. And, and then countering that is you have Mother's Day, which is actually the third most attended holiday after Christmas and Easter. So we're at like two opposite ends of the spectrum. And, and I go, well, why, why is that? Uh, let me tell you another statistic here. Uh, according to data, this was collected by Promise Keepers in the Baptist Press, says if, that if a father does not go to church, even if the wife does, the, the chances of the child uh, becoming a regular worshiper at, at an adult age is one in 50. Versus if a father goes regularly to church, regardless of whether the mother does, the odds of that child attending church as an adult is two-thirds to three-fourths. That is a huge discrepancy between the two. And, and here's the thing. I, I go, well, what's, what is this? There is, there is an attack, obviously, on the fathers. And uh, why is it? Because we have a heavenly father. And, uh, and if he can attack the fathers, uh, we're in a season where we need fathers, where we need men, where we need the dads to rise up to their, to their calling. I thank you for, for the women that have actually stepped up and, and stepped into the gap. But I, I believe we're in a season where this is now the time for the men to rise up into their calling and into their place. And this is not to be the overseers and the domineers, uh, you know, with authority. This is to be, as it says in Ephesians, we're, we're supposed to be like Christ was to the church. As fathers, as husbands, we're supposed to be those that will lay down our lives, but that we will go after the Lord with everything that we have. We will be those that disciple. We will be those that encourage. We will be those that, uh, that exhort the other believers and, and especially our families. And if we're gonna see the next generation rise up uh, and the young men and the young women, it's gonna take the men to step up. Amen? Okay, thank you for those 10 amens. That's good. <laughs> so let's do this. Can we pray over this? I want to just pray over the men, but I also just want to pray over this season of men rising up. And I'm, I do want to say I'm really encouraged in our church just as what we've seen uh, as far as the men rising up to another level. We have a group. We have a lot of groups of men that meet throughout the week, but we have this group on Monday that I, I've come and uh, 
been a part of as often as I can, uh, where these men come together at 6.45 over in the chapel on Monday, and it is, it is a whole other level of men rising up. Like, it, this isn't just studies, but it's like they're going after it with everything that they have. And I'm loving it. I just love to see what they're doing. A lot of them are struggling in areas, but we're seeing breakthrough in those areas and we're seeing God begin to establish a new stronghold. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for every father, for every grandfather, for every stepfather that is here, that is watching online. Lord, first of all, we just pray in this season where there is attacks, there's attacks of the enemy on the men, on the fathers. Lord, we thank you for your protection over them. We thank you that it is actually your strength that rises up on the inside of us and gives us the strength to do the things that you've called us to do as the fathers uh, in this area, in this region, Father. So we, we pray a blessing. We pray your strength over the fathers. We ask that you would raise up the men, that you would raise us up to be the fathers, the men uh, that we are called to be in this season. And we thank you that we're going to see a generation, this next generation, begin to shift. And we're going to see a greater outpouring of your love than we've ever seen before. We're going to see the fathers uh, come to the sons and daughters, and we're going to see sons and daughters coming back to the fathers, Lord, as you talk about Malachi 4. And so we call this out in Jesus' name, and we thank you for what you're doing, and we thank you for what you're establishing in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. All right. Um, real quick, I just want to say thank you for all your prayers. We had an awesome vacation, if you didn't know. My, I, for the last 10 days, we've been on vacation with the family, had, an, had a great time on the East Coast. We were fishing, uh, enjoying the, the beach and uh, with our three kids. And real quick story, we are not fishers. Uh, we are fishermen. Um, we are horrible at fishing and have always been horrible at fishing. Uh, but every year that we would go back to the East Coast, we always try to fish. And I was telling my wife, I said, I think in the last 16 years, we've probably been back maybe 12 of those 16 years, um, we've never caught a fish. <laughs> and I think we fished every single time. And so this year, we're like, well, we're going to take the kids fishing. And it's like, here we go again. Like, we're going to stand out there and, you know, cast for a few hours and then come home. And uh, so, and if you're a fisherman, you're going to know this is not the time that you go fishing. But we were like, oh, let's go fishing out on the pier at 1.30 in the afternoon. So we thought, well, this is great. There's no one out on the pier. We've got the whole pier to ourselves. We got all the, all the fish. And uh, we went out on this pier. But right before we did, we prayed. And we just said, Lord, will you just give us one fish? We just want to catch one fish. And so we had our three kids out there. And we set up the lines. And we started casting. And literally within the first 30 seconds, it was bam caught a fish. And then the second line, bam, caught a fish. Third line, bam, caught a fish. And over the next like hour and a half, we caught 18 fish. <laughs> and we would have caught a lot more, I promise you. We, at the, at, we finally said, kids, stop casting. Like, that's enough. We can't take any more fish. And so uh, I just want to say, the Lord is good. And when you ask, he gives you exceedingly and abundantly more than you could ever ask or imagine. Uh, we caught the uh, more fish than we actually imagined. <laughs> and it was fun. All right, let's dig in. Um, building relationship from the Father's heart. This is the title of the message this morning, and you're going to hear from both my dad and I 
and we're going to do the fast version of this message because I know my dad likes to try to finish up by, uh, by the bottom, <laughs> by the half hour mark. So get, get ready. <laughs> you guys ready for some speed preaching here? Um, I just want to set the tone. And then my dad's going to come up and kind of establish uh, this idea of relationship that we have through the Father. But first of all, to understand, it all starts with this right here. This is the Word of God. It's the Bible. And, and what this is, is this is a story of a father on a mission to get his family back. From the beginning all the way to the end. From Genesis, when he establishes the Garden of Eden and walks in the garden with man, to the very end in Revelation where he says that they will be my children and I will be their God and I will dwell with them, I will walk with them. And so this is the plan, but it also, this right here also gives us an amazing understanding of the nature and the character of God. All throughout, again, from Genesis to Revelation, we begin, and, and only through this do we get an a in-depth understanding of who God is. If there's, if there's nothing more than, than we, that we get today, I want to establish this, that we need to spend more time in this. This has over 3,000 promises. It has words of encouragement. It has words of, of exhortation. It has commands. It has teachings of the Lord. And there's nothing better than we can go to to understand how we move forward with the Lord. When we go, gosh, I just don't know uh, what the plan is for my life. Open this up. This will give you the plan for your life. If you go, I just don't know the direction I'm supposed to go, open this up. And as the Holy Spirit begins to show you, it will reveal things to you in this word. This is the, the breathed, like God breathed scripture. So I just want to encourage you with that as we, as we move into this. But so what we see is in the very beginning, from the very beginning, God establishes relationship. He establishes relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He establishes relationship with mankind. And, and this is foundational to everything that we see is, is understanding the relationship between God the Father and us. God the Father and Jesus. God the Father and the Holy Spirit. And so this is, we're going to begin to kind of dive into this um, in a very short amount of time. It's going to be really good. Uh, when Jesus... So first of all, God establishes this relationship, and then what do we do? We break it, right? We, uh, in the garden, we eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and uh, we actually sever a relationship with the Father. But then you have Jesus, which comes down to the earth. He comes down to earth. God sends his Son to reestablish a relationship with the Father. And, and out of this, uh, we begin to see the purpose of Jesus. Now, Jesus had a number of purposes when he came down to this earth. One was to seek and to save the lost. He was, he's the savior. He's our redeemer. Uh, he's the one to bring abundant life. But more than anything, his purpose on this earth was to reveal the Father. More than anything else, it was to reveal the Father. And so... And it starts out of, out of a relationship that he had with the Father. And so even at a young age, the age of 12, you see in Luke 2, talks about this story where, where he and his family, they go to, to Jerusalem, they go to the Passover feast, and, uh, and 
in that time, they have the feast, the whole family, all the relatives leave, they leave Jerusalem, uh, but Jesus is still there. He's 12 years old, and I'm thinking, gosh, my daughter's just about to turn 12 here. I'm like, that's a young age, and for three days, he was in the temple, and, and they were trying to find him. They couldn't find him. Uh, and they say this, they says, son, why have you treated us like this? We were searching for you all over, and Jesus responds by saying this, why were you searching for me? Didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? What we see here is this establishment of this is the place that Jesus was from, from the very beginning, from the very, from, as a, at a young age, all the way through. His first and foremost was to be in relationship with the father. And then it says that he later says that he only did what he saw his father do and he only spoke what his father said. So as we look at scripture, as we look at this, in the New Testament, you see all the red letters in there that you have. I don't have it in my Bible, but you know, there's the red letter Bibles. All those words of Jesus, that's actually words of the Father. And, and Jesus is revealing who the Father is in this. And as you read this, as you go back and you read what Jesus said, these are the words of the Father, because he only spoke what the Father said. And, and Jesus even says, he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He was the perfect representation of the Father. And it's important that we understand this because this sets the tone for, for how we are to live on this earth. It goes on to say, uh, it says we, Jesus, Jesus says this in John 20, 21. You can put up that scripture. It's a short one. Uh, it says, as the Father sent me, I am sending you. What is he doing here? Marcus talked a little bit about this last time where he referenced Isaiah 49 and, and, uh, and Acts 13 and, and how Paul actually took a scripture that was used for Jesus and said, no, this is for us as well. This is our calling. This is our mandate. And this is it. Is, is just as the Father reflected, or just as Jesus reflected the Father and revealed the Father our mandate and our calling is to reflect Jesus, which is reflecting the Father. We are called to be Christ-like. Now, are we there? You guys don't know? <laughs> Let me just, I'll tell you, we're not there. <laughs> just, it's not a trick question. We are not there. We, but we are on our way there, hopefully. This is where... In uh, 2 Corinthians 3.18, it says, and I'll just paraphrase it, it says that as we reflect and as we behold the glory of God, we are being transformed. It's that, and it's that be being. We're being transformed into his likeness with an ever-increasing glory. This comes out of reflecting and beholding the glory of God. Even as we're in this place and as, we're, as we worship the Lord, as we come into this place of corporate worship, it is a place of reflecting and beholding the glory of the Lord. And there is a transformation in our hearts and in our lives that begins to take place even in those times. And we become more and more like him. Now it says that we, don't, we will be like him when we see him face to face. There will be a revelation that will be like, ah, it'll be awesome. But we're, we're not there yet, but we're in, a, we're in a transformational process right now. But it requires something. 
the transformation doesn't just happen. The, the transformation requires that we behold the glory of God. And in that, we begin to be transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory. And this isn't like a transformation where it's like we, we get better and better and better. It's actually a shift. It's like a shift in the DNA. It's like going from the caterpillar to the butterfly. It's a, that transformation is the metamorpho, it's, is the Greek word for it. And it's, it's a complete transformation. It's a different DNA. It's a different bloodline. When we receive Christ, we actually have a different bloodline than we had prior to that. We have a different DNA. And so we are, it's like we're in that cocoon almost like shifting our DNA. We're in that process to come out to be more Christ-like, to be more like Jesus. Amen. amen. Thank you for that amen. So as, we're, as this is Father's Day and we're talking about um, relationships from a heavenly father to us and uh, from an earthly father. I just want to say I have been so blessed to have an amazing relationship with my father. Uh, for those of you who know both of us, uh, it, I feel like it is a very unique thing that I have with my dad. Not to brag, but I've got a great dad. Uh, <laughs> he's an awesome father. And... And we have the opportunity, we go and we do these men's retreats around the country. We've done a number of them. And in this, I have seen something. I've seen, there are woundings that have happened from fathers. And it's, it's probably the number one thing that I see that when there is a wounding from a father, it actually, what it does is it sets a filter that that's how you see your earthly father is the same way you see your heavenly father. Does that make sense? And, and there's, I don't think it's a coincidence, you don't hear about like mother woundings. You hear about father woundings. When you see, when you see somebody like a sports figure on TV and they're always like, hey mom, hi mom. You never see him going, hey dad, how are you? Like, no, I'm not even talking to my dad. Hi mom. <laughs> like, because there's, there's like a pain or there's something that's happened with, with a lot of the fathers and it, and it, it's not a coincidence that the enemy uses this to create a, a gap and a misunderstanding of the nature and the character of our Heavenly Father. And I, as we go through this, I just want you to, just to be aware, there are areas in your life where you probably have father woundings that are affecting your ability to walk in a full understanding of who the Father is, which is affecting your walk with the Lord. And, and this is where the Holy Spirit can come in and begin to do a work and to begin to bring that healing. And that's his desire, is that we would walk in the fullness of an understanding of who the Father is, receiving his love, and then out of that, releasing his love and being a reflection and revealing the Father love, Father's love to those around us. Amen? Amen. Uh, the last thing I want to just... To touch on here is this before my dad comes up is uh, is that we see this misunderstanding all the way back at the beginning that the enemy uses a misunderstanding of the nature of God to create the break in relationship. We see it with Eve at the very beginning, right? Where where the end they have this conversation, the serpent and Eve, and and this is what happens in Genesis three six. It says when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. It doesn't say 
then she came against the Lord and, and tried to be disobedient and, and go against him. What happened is there was, it wasn't that she was trying to walk in disobedience to the Lord. She thought she was doing the right thing. This is what happens in our lives. And I want to, I want, this is such an important part to understand here is that, that there is a wisdom that comes from the world that we think, oh, this is what we're supposed to do. And it says, no, his ways are not our ways. His ways are higher than our ways. And it says that he destroys the wisdom of the wise. So what we have to be so careful about is that if we don't have that, that understanding of the nature and the character of God, we begin to walk in our own wisdom, which is a form of arrogance and pride that we don't realize that we're walking in. And this is what happened with Eve. She saw that it was good, and so she ate of the fruit. Had she known, had she looked like seen the future, she would have gone, oh, no, no, no. That would be the stupidest thing I could do. But she thought it was good. In the same way, there's a, there's a story about King Saul, uh, and Samuel goes to him, and it's in 1 Samuel 15, and the Lord says, I want you to kill all the Amalekites. Wipe them out. And so Saul goes into battle, and he kills the Amalekites, but he doesn't kill the king. He, he saves the king, and he saves all the, the, the good plunder, basically, the cattle, the sheep. Uh, and he says, why does he do it? He says, because he saw that it was good. He saw that these things were good. In his own mind, with a lack of understanding of the Father and of the character and the nature of who God was, he said, oh no, this is a good thing to do. In both these situations, in the first situation, you have a separation of God from, from man, and in the second one, you have the kingdom stripped. Not because they were defiant of the Lord in, like, in an obvious way, but because of a lack of understanding of who the Father was and not walking in obedience. Here's the thing. Our proof of knowing God is our obedience in him. And it requires that we understand the word, that we know the word. It's like if you go to another country and, and you don't understand the laws, guess what? You're still subject to them. <laughs> you, you're still going to go to jail if you, do, if you do something wrong. You go, oh, I didn't, understand. I didn't know that that was your law. It doesn't matter. In the same way, we need to understand the commands of the Lord. And it only comes from reading this word. And it's to protect us. It's not to hammer us. God is not a, like a God that's going to put the hammer down. What he does is he sets these guidelines. He sets these things in place. He puts these commands and these teachings in place to protect us. I don't know if you remember, uh, I think, I don't know when I spoke on it. But I spoke, I talked about an example of when I was four years old. And, and my dad, he painted a white line at the bottom of the driveway and said, don't cross that line. This line was to be crossed, of course, because that's what I, you know, four-year-old's going to do. But here's the thing, is the line wasn't like, hey, don't cross that line because there's a lot of fun on the other side of that line. This was the area of protection. That was the area of danger. This is where freedom was. That was death. And in the same way, these commands of the Lord, this is where freedom is, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. When we walk in the spirit of the Lord and we walk in truth, which is the word of God, sanctified by his word, we walk in freedom. That's the place he calls us to. And so the proof of knowing God is in his, in obedience to him. The scripture you can look up, if you don't believe me, go to 1 John 2, 3, and 4. And it says, we know that we have come to know him, 
if we obey his commands. We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. And then Hosea 4.6 says, my people are destroyed from a lack of knowledge. Like, it's the lack of understanding, the lack of knowledge that destroys the people. But we have the Holy Spirit and we have this word. This is our light. This is what we can go by and it will protect us, it will guide us, it will, it will shield us. Last thing I want to say is, uh, just as we are called to walk in obedience, we're also called, and to reflect the, the love of the Father, we're also called to, uh, to exhort those around us that may be having a misunderstanding of the Lord and walking in a wrong direction, slipping and possibly going off a cliff. It's our job to say, hey, don't go that way. Don't do that. Now, we do it in love. Paul, he, he, uh, he gave Timothy this charge in, first, in uh, 2 Timothy 4. He says, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. That's what we're called to do. In Proverbs 28, 23, says, whoever rebukes a man will afterwards find more favor than he who flatters with his tongue. So it's okay we do it in love. We come alongside people in love. But when we see somebody who's slipping, who doesn't even understand, who has a misunderstanding of the nature and the character of God, let's, as the body, come alongside them. Let's love them, but let's bring correction in those areas. Okay. Do you want to play that video? No. no. We're going to go right into... Only got three minutes. All right, good. <laughs> Planned perfectly. No, <laughs> kidding. Kidding. <laughs> No. Am I on now? My what? Your pack. My pack is bad messed up. Okay. No, I know. I can yell, but I don't want to. Okay. Um, now I have two minutes. Anyway, uh, I just want to say you can do everything right. You can do everything right for God. You can do everything right as a father. But anyway, your son can mess up or your daughter can mess up and uh, makes you look bad. But I got a great son, so give him a hand. <laughs> he makes me look good. Okay, I learned in seminary three points and a poem and send him home. Too late for a poem. I'm going to give you the three points fast because I have an inner clock. And my inner clock... At, at about 12.30, I, I feel bad if I preach beyond that. So I'm just telling you, I'm warning you, this is going to be quick. But I grew up in the East Coast, I can talk really fast. So here we go. I'm going to give you three points. Ready? You ready? And basically, we want to respond in our relationships out of the Father heart of God. Now, I'm talking mostly to dads right now, but I'm talking to everybody. We all, in our relationships, we want to respond so, out of the Father heart of God. So you've got to get the Father heart of God. You see, when you receive Jesus, the scripture says in Romans 5, 5, that the love of God is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit. So we have his love. We just have to operate out of that. Now, you've got to know it. You've got to feel and experience the love of God and the Father heart of God, that unconditional love for you to be able to show that toward your children. Otherwise, when your children mess up, you're going to be ticked off and you're going to do things that you wish you didn't. And, uh, and so 
it's really, really hard. So I'm going to give you the three points right now. Point number one, I'm going to have you repeat it after me. Point number one is be loving. Say be loving. loving. Point number two, I'm going to condense two and three together, is be real, be honest. Say that. Be real, be honest. And point number number three is be affirming. Say it with me. Be affirming. So you've got the message. Okay, Mike. Now, anyway. First of all, let me give you a little, just some scripture quickly. First of all, uh, for be loving. Now, lots of times we think love is to always just let everything go and just, you know, kind of wink and that God's a sloppy, agape God. He's not. He's a God who loves us. But here's the, I think this is the best definition for love, the way we should love. And this is found in Jesus' words from Matthew 7, 12. He said, this is the golden rule. He said, do unto others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law of the prophets. So the bottom line is God wants us to do to others as we would have them do to us. Now, I don't know about you, but I want people to be real. I want people to be honest with me. I don't want them to just be eh, whatever. You know, the, the video we were going to show you, which we don't have time, but it, it was a video of this guy who was blind, and he was going to be walking off a cliff, and these two guys, are, they're, one guy wants to say something. He goes, no, 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 that, would be not, that wouldn't be encouraging. Don't say that to Dave. Don't say that to Dave. And he goes, well, i got to tell him. No, no, no. Dave, you're doing great. Dave, you're doing great. Well, Dave walks right off the cliff. Anyway, the point is, it's really important not only be loving, and we want to treat people the way we want to be treated. I want to be treated I want you to be real with me. If I'm about to walk off a cliff or do something stupid, I don't want you to say, hey, I love you, Pastor Jerry. You're doing great. If I'm not doing great, tell me I'm not doing great. Amen? That's love. And that's, that's the way we want to be treated. And that's the way we want to treat other people. We want to be able to respond in love. And let me just say this. If a person doesn't know that you love them, you're not ever going to be able to get the truth to them. The scripture says, speak the truth in love. In Ephesians 4.15, 4, the truth is you, they got to know you love them or they're not going to receive truth. And so, okay, so number one, we talked about be loving. Number two, we're talking about being real. And, you know, in 1 John, it talks about if we, if we say we have fellowship and we really, you know, and, and we're not really being real, then we really don't have fellowship with God and we don't have fellowship with other people. We don't have relationship with them if we're faking it. You know, you've been around people that are fakey and they're just putting on an act and they're trying to impress you. I don't know about you, but I don't like that. I like people to be real. I like people to lay it out, be honest, and be, be truthful. You see, for me, and, and I've decided in my life I'm going to be that way. And if somebody doesn't like me, well, you know, that's their problem. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to be real. I'm not going to spend a lot of energy trying to just promote myself or try to be something I'm not. How many of you know it's just better to be who you are? Amen? I mean, that's, that's what's so important. And with part of being real is being honest. You know, there's a scripture that I love. It's Proverbs. We're going to put it up here. <clears throat> Proverbs 27, 5 and 6. And it says this, an open rebuke is better than hidden love. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than kisses from the enemy. You know, sometimes you got to have people really speak life to you. you got to have people, they, they got to speak truth to you. That's love. And, and so it's not only being loving, but it's being loving in the context of also being real and being honest. You know, we want to be honest. We want to be, I mean, it's key in our lives. We're only here for a short time. You know, why fake it till you make it? That's just not, that's just not scriptural. And the, and the third thing is, you remember what it was? 
Two people remember. Now say it again. Be affirming. That's it. Be affirming. And this is so important. Do you know the Father was affirming to Jesus before he did one miracle, before he, he didn't do one healing, and the Father was affirming to Jesus? This is when he was baptized. In fact, it's found in Luke chapter 3, verse 22. It says, And the Holy Spirit in bodily form descended on Jesus like a dove, and a voice from heaven said, You are my dearly beloved Son, and you bring me great joy. Another translation says, In you I am well pleased. God was pleased with Jesus before he'd done anything. And somehow your kids need to know you're pleased with them. It's not on their performance. Unfortunately, my dad was an orphan, and I don't blame him for this, but he would never affirm me. I was the oldest son, and he'd always say, son, oh, that's good, you got A's and B's. And I was pretty proud that I got A's and B's. <laughs> he goes, son, I think you can bring those B's up to A's if you really try. I could never do well enough. That's great, you scored one touchdown, but I know next week you can score three. And I'm thinking, I can never do well enough. And so I was driven by this performance. I always tried to do better, to try to, you know, and I don't blame him. That's the way he never had any affirmation. And so we've got to affirm. We've got to affirm. The father affirmed Jesus, his son, before he'd ever done anything. We need to affirm. We need to be affirming in all our relationships, not just with our kids. And so remember <clears throat> three things. Say it with me. Be loving, be real and honest, and be affirming. You got it. Go ahead, Mike. Yours. <laughs> he went over. Jeez. <laughs> I want to close with this. Um, we're talking about affirming the importance of affirmation in this season. Uh, we've talked about this before, but the, the power of our, our words, there's life and death in the power of the tongue. And we have the ability to change someone's life when we affirm them, when we, when we, when we speak life into them. And I want, I want to clarify something that affirming is not just looking at someone saying, hey, you're doing a great job. What, you're, what you want to do is, is you need to have an understanding of the affirmation of the Father yourself, and then you can affirm out of that, and you affirm from the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit begins to show you things that, oh, this is who this person is. This is who they are. Uh, let me, I wanna, I'm going to read something to you that's real personal to me. Uh, this is a letter from my dad that he wrote to me back in 1995. And uh, he started writing these letters as I went off to college. He didn't write them in high school, but I think as I went off to college and I went to the University of Colorado and... So he's like, I better start writing quickly. <laughs> um, but there is, there is something, as I went back and I looked at these letters, and I've saved every letter that he's written me, and uh, there's something so powerful, and I realize that these letters, this was part of, this actually changed the trajectory of my life. Because the things that he would say were not always the same things that were in the letter. When, he, when we would talk, you know, um, growing up, there was, you know, he's not a perfect dad. He's a great dad, not a perfect dad. Uh, but there were times, you know, where I'd mess up and it'd be like, ah, oh, what are you doing? I can't believe it, you know. And, and then he'd come back and apologize and say, I'm sorry, you know, I love you. And, but, uh, but 
these letters, I know they came from his heart. And what he would do is when he'd go away and pray and fast, this is when he would write these letters. And so he was actually, like in that point, in tune with the Holy Spirit and, and speaking from a different place than if he would just, you know, go home and, and write a quick letter to me out of his own mind and intellect. But there's something about when you come into that place of you're listening to the Holy Spirit and then you begin to, to speak life out of that, man, it is powerful. And so I'll just follow along with me. And, and I believe as I read this last night and I was just going through it, I felt like this is, it's not just so you can hear what my dad wrote to me, but there's, there's something in this, I believe, that, that's going to impact each one of you this morning. And it's going to shift and give you a greater understanding of who the Father is. It says, I want to write to you to tell you how much I love you. I remember when you were born in Carmel. Actually, I think it was Monterey Peninsula Hospital. But I remember when you came into the world just a little over 21 years ago. It seems like yesterday. I was so excited. I couldn't stop. I couldn't sleep. I remember everything seemed to have a glow to it. I went home and wrote some poetry, which I never do. I remember writing that I knew God was real. And when I saw Micah James Paulhemus, by the way, my, my real name is Micah. We just, <laughs> if I put Mike out there, I think everyone would be like, who? <laughs> so it says, when I saw Micah James Paulhemus come into the world, I knew there was a God to hold you to bounce you on my tummy was great. I remember rolling around with you on the floor and throwing Nerf balls to you. Hopefully I was a little older when he was throwing them at me. Uh, it was fun watching you grow up and playing with Nathan Smith and Shelly Shank and Princeton. You were pretty strong-willed, which I don't agree with. And, and I remember having to spank you in love and then hug you to correct you. It was great that we got to live in Grand Lake. I remember sledding and skiing with you a lot. I remember when uh, you first rode your bike, you were so proud. I remember when you were in your first wrestling tournament in Greeley, and you came off the mat with a big smile and your finger raised in the air for Jesus. I remember when you and Jason Morgan got into a fight. I was in second grade, and Dave Dennis had to spank you. He was the principal, and I was trying not to laugh because you were so cute. <laughs> that devastated me for life, just so you know. One of those father wounds. <laughs> I remember how you always excelled in school and sports. I was really proud of you, for you. Watching you play soccer and wrestle and even peewee football in, in Greeley, you have brought me so much joy, much more than any of the successes I have had in business or ministry. You're a great person. I remember three years ago when you were wrestling awesome at McNichols Arena at the state tournament and you got hurt and I hurt for you so much. And yet I think that trial brought us closer together in heart. I remember two years ago sitting out under the stars when we were camping and, and you shared your heart and your experiences of your first year at college and I was so glad you shared everything with me but it was somewhat eye-opening and hard to hear. <laughs> and let me just say, this was the relationship that we had where I, I always felt like there's nothing that I had to hide from him because I knew that he wasn't, he wasn't gonna condemn me. He wasn't gonna kind of come against me. He was just gonna love me through it. And he would speak words of wisdom, 
but he would just love me through it. It says, perhaps the hardest thing for me has been to really let go of you. But now that you're 21, I've tried to let go from a deeper place. I miss you, son, and yet I know that your life is your life, not mine. And you have to live it as you see fit. I always want to warn you and to help you not to make the mistakes I made. But I realize that you have to live and learn just as I did. Please forgive me for trying too hard. Maybe because your mom and I went through a divorce. Maybe because of the pain you feel when I tried to shield you from further pain. I don't know why, but please forgive me and tell me to butt out when I start getting bossy, which I have to do quite often. <laughs> and I can go back to the letter because he told me I could. Also, please forgive me for my failures as a dad, maybe more as a husband to your mom. I'm sorry that you had to go through that pain. It was hard seeing you and Anna, who's my sister, go through it. Harder than going through it myself. I'm really proud of you. You had to overcome a lot. One was being a PK, a pastor's kid, and the divorce, and a lot more. I'm praying for you as you are being a, uh, for be, as far as being a doctor, and I'll help you as much as I can. More than anything else, I just want you to know I love you so much. I really want you to know I love you, even if you make bad choices. I love you, and that is regardless of whether you became a become a doctor, an engineer, or a ditch digger. I know God has a special plan for your life, but I don't know what it is, and I need you to discover that for yourself without my direction. I love you for who you are, and I will always love you. More than what you do, you will always be my one and only son, the firstborn, a gift from God, the one that I have cherished, but also released from my control. I'll always love you, even when you don't do what I think you should do. I'll always be there for you. No matter what you're going through, even if you forget, or even if you brought it upon yourself, I'll always be there for you. You can count on that. I will always pray for you. I will love you. And I'm so thankful that you're my son and that God has made me your dad. These words these are words that can go so deep and can impact and change a life. There were, there were many other letters that came after that that encouraged me, that exhorted me. There's some that said, man, you're going in the wrong direction. I went back, I was reading some, and I'm like, oh, I wish I would have listened to this one. And at the time, I just, I didn't see the value in some of the things he was saying. There were some things that I did. There's other things I missed. 
but that's okay. That's part of just of growing up and, and experiencing life and walking through things. And sometimes you do learn the hard way, even when you have the right answer right in front of you. But we need fathers and we need mothers that are going to be those that will disciple, that will, that will mentor, that will train and, and raise up those in the way that they should go, that will, that will affirm those in the way that they're going and, and if they're not going in the right direction, that they'll love them and say, man, make this shift right now. Make this shift in your life because it's leading you in the wrong direction. You're, you're going off a cliff. Don't do it. I love you as a father, as a mother. I want to encourage you, if you have the opportunity Write a letter to your, to your spouse. Write a letter to your, to your kids. Write a letter to your grandkids. These things, you know, it's, when words are spoken, you remember them for a short period of time. But when words are written down, when these letters are written, these things carry me through. I mean, I have a great relationship with my dad, but there are times when things get tough. But I know my dad's heart. I know his heart. I know he's for me. And it, is, it has helped shift that, that relationship with my Heavenly Father as well. So let's be those that reveal the Father, that reflect the Father and show who, this, who our Heavenly Father is to the world around us. Can we do that together?